Hello and welcome back to the Muscle Engineer Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Sotek Andre, and you're listening to episode 40, which is a very good one, because I have my friend Albert Chabai back on the podcast this time to discuss his uh, very, very successful photo shoot prep, which he recently completed, and um, he documented as well and finished with some very, very impressive photos, which I would recommend to check out on his Instagram at SSDable. And um, this episode, it's a bit special to me because it actually hits close to my heart in a sense. Uh, reason being that I sort of feel like I am right now in a space or in a spot where Abel has been for a number of months and perhaps years. And that is stuck around 15 to 17% and seemingly not be able to master the discipline needed to get lower, even though I have all of the knowledge in the world. And we actually get into this, into the episode, why more knowledge is definitely not the answer and why most of you listening who are perhaps in a similar situation are not struggling to get to those low 10, perhaps sub 10% uh, body fat levels are not because you don't have sufficient knowledge. It's due to something else. And if you want to know what we think that is, you'll have to listen to the episode and you'll find out. I don't want to keep you waiting any longer because I really think this episode is just will speak for itself. So let's get straight into episode 40 of the Muscle Engineer podcast with Abel Choboy. Abel, welcome back once again to the Muscle Engineer podcast. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Sweet. So you have become a bit of a mini sensation in our very, very large circle of <laughs> evidence-based fitness. I'm kidding. <laughs> but yeah, so you posted some very, very impressive uh, photos and you have arguably made your most successful or completed your most successful cut up until this point yeah yeah i mean um, most successful in terms of getting the leanest uh, definitely yeah um it's funny because it just hit me the other day that um because i'm making some youtube videos at the moment kind of explaining what i did and why i did it and it just hit me that um in the beginning of this cut i thought that I was way leaner than I actually was. So I thought that at 85 kilograms or so, so what is it, 187 pounds or something, I was sub 10% body fat. And I thought, you know what, I'll just diet for four weeks maybe. And at the end of that, I will be like photo shoot ready. Like I will be pretty diced and maybe I'll go down to 81, 82 kilos. That will be really solid. And then... As I documented it, it ended up being more like 76 kilos. Um, <laughs> granted, that's with some muscle loss. So maybe if I did everything perfectly, it could have been, you know, 77, maybe 77 and a half, something like that. Because I definitely did end up losing a bit more lean tissue than what was inevitable, I think. But anyway, uh, the thing is, is had I known just how far I had to go, I probably wouldn't have even started. So in, in mm. that that case, ignorance was bliss in my case because I really thought that it will be like a four, maybe six week shortcut and then I will be like diced. And it's like, well, it was more like 12 to 15 weeks or something like that. So, mm. but yeah, definitely the leanest I've ever been. 
Yeah, it's funny because, you know, right now I'm reading the Total Record book, Arnold's autobiography, I guess. And I, I was just highlighting a page yesterday and there was a point where he was saying that uh, he made some huge investment. He bought some uh, apartment complex and stuff. And there were, he had this friend who was always like, who was always basically seeing the downsides or potential downsides of a situation. He was saying that, listen, you're making me worry. Let me be like a puppy, Arnold was saying. Like, let me just, you know, find out in what I'm, <laughs> I got myself into when I'm in it. I don't need to think ahead or, or don't need to worry too much because too much worrying can freeze you. And it's funny uh, that now you also mentioned this because it's probably true in a sense. So when did this whole process start or like feel me, feel us into your last maybe six months? Like, cause I know you've been dieting like on and off for a while. And then uh, I thought you, you would maintain or, or uh, you would start to gain some muscle. Like where was your story point, I guess, in, in this whole fat loss phase? And when did you decide to turn it into a full-blown photo shoot prep? Yeah, so basically how it went is in last year, so in 2018, I finished a short cut that was maybe like six weeks, and uh, that was in late October. So pretty much as we are speaking now, like that's when I started a, a lean gaining phase. And at that point, I was like, you know what, I'm the whole getting lean and having a good six pack thing. I've been there, done that. I don't give a shit anymore, to be honest. I just want to hit PRs in the gym. I want to max out on my lean body mass amount or L, uh, fat free mass index finally. And this is going to be a year of gaining. And then I went on pretty much a dreamer bulk is what I would call it. Um, and honestly, I look back at it with no regrets. Uh, I gained a lot of fat and I documented that on my YouTube channel as well. Like I put on over 10 kilograms in the course of maybe four or five mm. months. And I honestly just felt like I this is something like I missed out on in my entire training journey. Uh, everybody pretty much who has been lifting for a good, good while will tell you that, yeah, Earlier on, I made the mistake of dreamer bulking a bit too much, putting on a bit too much body weight, getting overzealous with the calorie surplus. But at the same time, that's when I made most of my best gains. And I thought, you know what? I've always been a chronic dieter. Um, I was always too concerned about staying lean. And maybe this is what my body actually needs to get to the next level of muscularity. Like going through a really nice, juicy, very loosely controlled bulk and just eat and train a lot. And yeah, I pretty much did that. I trained a lot, high volumes, hit a lot of PRs in the gym, and I went up over 90 kilos, something that I've pretty much never been in my life unless it was some short period of uncontrolled binge or something, and then I immediately hmm. bounced back down to a leaner stage. So I went up there, did it, and then concluded that, well, I put on a lot of fat and not as much muscle as what I would have hoped for, uh, which became evident because after that I did like a, just a very short, like five-week mini cut, which was very assertive. This would have been last or in April, pretty much. So from early April till like late to mid-April or early May or something like that. I don't have the timeline exactly. I did a short cut, pretty assertive, dropped four or five kilos, and then concluded that, well, during this dreamer bulk, I put on about nine kilos of total weight and maybe one kilo of muscle. So, okay, this clearly mm. didn't work out. But anyway, did it, was not too upset with the end outcome. 
And after that, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to slowly gain from here or maintain. I don't, I wasn't too concerned about leanness or anything like that. And I did that up until about June, July. So the next two or three months after this mini cut, I was kind of slowly gaining slash gaintaining. And after that, you know, the summer really hit, especially here where I'm living in the Balkan area. The summer gets crazy hot. And honestly, my appetite just kind of dropped naturally. Uh, I wasn't really trying to forcefully lean down or anything like that. I just didn't feel like eating as much, which I think a lot of people experience that in the very deep summer sometimes. Plus, a vacation in Sicily was coming up. So I was like, you know what? If my appetite is going to drop, might as well drop now. And I will be a bit crisper for this holiday. So I went on that holiday and I was looking pretty good there. I posted some pictures. That was my profile picture on on Facebook as well for a while. Like, you know, had some nice app definition, nothing crazy, but I was like lean, looking pretty good. And after that, I went to Bulgaria and I attended this conference where I had the pleasure of speaking as well with the Aesthetics by Science crew. And... Then I um, I was hanging out with these guys that were just in really awesome shape. They had these really awesome fitness businesses and stuff. And I was I shot a couple of selfies with them, and I posted those as well with Mario Tomic, for example, and Nikola Tomov from Aesthetic by Science. And you know, if you look at those pictures, I had some pretty nice abs. I looked pretty lean. And then it hit me that well, you know what? Like I'm looking pretty good now, and if I just got a little bit leaner then, you know, maybe I could get some pretty decent photos. Plus, earlier, whenever I was lean, I always kind of just wasted those periods, and I never took any decent photos of myself. It was always just these super lame gym bathroom selfies with, like, (laughs) this blurry caveman face that I was making on all of them. Like, they were just awful. Like, the camera is misfocused, and the whole picture is just shitty. So let's try to do something about this. You know, at least let's get some high-quality pictures. And that's pretty much the timeline that we're talking about here that I mentioned in the beginning, that that's when I thought that, okay, it's just going to be like four to six weeks, some aggressive cutting, and I will be like photo shoot ready. And yeah, that's when the big surprise came that it ended up being much longer than that. But that's kind of how the whole idea uh, came to life. And that's how it started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm curious, like, maybe let's just get it out of the way. Like, why or how do you think you lost muscle mass? Because... Uh, obviously the math never works out like if you're let's say 85 kilos at 12% body fat if you want to drop just to give an example like 5% body fat from there to get to 7 like obviously 10% of 85 would be like 8.5 5% would be half of it which would be like 4 point something so you would then math it out that listen at 80 kilos I would be at 7% body fat and then you end up at more like 76 or 77, like you said yourself. So why do you think that is? Like, do you really think that you lost muscle? Is that simply just, you know, dehydration or muscle being like, you know, less filled out? Like, because I, were you like 76 kilos filled out or that was the lowest you've seen on the scale when you were digging into these lower body fat levels? Yeah, so a couple of questions there. First of all, it's um, I want to back up what you're saying there because I think it's an important lesson for people that the end weight at the end of a serious cut that you're predicting for yourself pretty much never works out like that. Um, 
for very elite competitors that are very, very efficient with their bodies and or very good at really just minimizing muscle loss because they are just so familiar with just how exactly they can push the calorie deficit and all of those things, they can get pretty close. But even them, like a recent very good case study is Eric Helms, for example. And I'm bringing him up because in his case, we are working with these very round, nice numbers. So at the end of his um, off season, he was around 100 kilos and you know, around 20% body fat. That's probably a pretty good estimation. Like he was looking like a big, strong, not lean, but also not like fat, like a soft, but strong, athletic looking dude. So if you were to make the math, like, okay, so 100 kilos, 20% body fat, then, you know, his lean body mass should be 80 kilos. Like that's a very easy calculation. Now he ended up 80 kilos at you know, stage condition at the end, like 5% body fat, let's say. So if you do the math, that's like a four kilo difference between the predicted stage weight and the actual stage weight. So it never works out like that. And there are many reasons behind that. Like part of the fat mass that you're losing is is actually lean body mass because fat is not, fat tissue is not purely fat. So uh, that is part of it. So that obviously played into my lean body mass loss as well. To your question whether I actually think that I lost muscle, I definitely did, I think, um, and I think the reason behind that is because simply I was just too aggressive with the calorie deficit at certain times to an inappropriate degree. The reasons behind that are twofold. One is that at some point we lose objectivity. You know, you've been torturing yourself for a good number of weeks already and you're not really liking the process. You're kind of just looking for the whole thing to end. You want to get out of the deficit, and you get into that mindset, which you would never advise to a client. You know objectively that this is not the right way to do things, but you know when you're in that state, kind of calorie-deprived, diet-fatigued, you're, you're getting into that mindset when you're thinking that, okay, maybe I'm going to lose a bit of muscle if I'm pushing this hard, but at the very least, I'm losing all the fat that I can potentially lose versus, okay, maybe if I'm going half as fast, then maybe I'm not going to lose muscle, but I'm maybe I'm not re- losing fat as fast as possible, and then I could be stuck in this cutting phase for another couple of weeks, and that's worse than anything. You're not saying it to yourself like that so explicitly, but that's sort of the thought process, I think, internally, subconsciously. So I think that's one part of the reason. The other part is sort of a practical issue that I run into every once in a while, and that is when I was in my regular food environment here where I'm living, it was uh, I was actually losing fat or weight fairly slowly at times. And it was like, okay, this is actually a pretty conservative cut apparently. And then sometimes I would travel, go to a different location, and then I would have a different food environment. I would be eating different foods or similar types of foods, of course, like it's still like cottage cheese and fruits and veggies and whatever, but slightly different portion sizes, different times often, you know, like maybe here I would finish my meals at 9 p.m. and then I would finish at 7 p.m. just because it was kind of a different setup. And then I would see the scale weight going down very rapidly, but I could also tell that I had less food volume in my stomach. And I also had different meal timing kind of protocols. So I I couldn't really tell, like, am I losing fat way too aggressively? Because losing, let's say, 1.2% of my body weight that week would have been way inappropriate given my body fat percentage. But at the same time, like, is this an actual tissue loss kind of thing or is just less food in my stomach? So because of these things, sometimes I kind of didn't know whether I should pull back from the deficit or is this appropriate. So kind of 
accidentally and sometimes semi-intentionally, I ended up pushing just harder than what was appropriate. And that was also part of the reason. And actually, 76 was not the lowest weight I hit. <laughs> I believe I could probably pull it up because I have it all in my spreadsheets and shit. But I think the lowest weight was something like 74.5 or something. Jesus. Granted, granted, though, keep in mind that... Um, I did like a test photo shoot peaking at one point just to see how a carb load would work. Mm. And I did like a week of like basically zero carbs. It was pretty much like a yeah, carnivore yeah. diet. Depletion. Depletion. Yeah, yeah. So the food volume I ate was pretty much, it basically got cut in like a third or into a fourth. So normally I would eat like easily four or five kilos of food. And on that kind of a setup, I would eat like less than one kilo of food and also glycogen loss and stuff. So that wasn't my real weight, but that was the lowest that I've seen on the scale, which was just freaky as hell. And I have pictures of that as well. Like I look, I seriously look like like a Holocaust mm. victim. Like it is absolutely disgusting the way I looked. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, speaking of like, I, uh, AJ Morris posted a pic of his one of his clients. He was essentially a Monday um, at the end of a depletion week, and dude was looking like like you said yourself, like basically a Holocaust victim, like no muscle tone, no roundness, nothing. Like just, like if you would have seen that picture, you would have been like, does this guy even lift? Like, I guess he has some muscles, but, and then you see him, I don't know, Saturday on stage filled out and just, whoa, like, dude looks like 10 kilos bigger. Now I'm not, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't a 10 kilo difference, but it, I guess it, it was for sure. It was a four to five kilo difference because the, the contrast was just insane. So yeah. Yeah. And, and it's also really funny. This is something that uh, I heard from prep coaches before, like Cliff Wilson, that the way you tune into your body and how your body feels at different sta states is really discrepant from how you're actually looking. So as you're dieting, you learn to associate being depleted and like super, super flat with being good because that's when you kind of feel that ripped sensation like, oh my God, my skin is so tight, I'm so lean. And then when you're actually taking a picture, you look absolutely awful. And then when you're actually filled out and you have some carbs in you and your glycogen repleted, that actually you look way, way better, but then internally you feel this soft kind of watery feeling. And then you see a picture of yourself and it's like, holy shit, I'm looking good. And it was really funny because I took a couple of pictures at, at the last day of these depletion days. And I, I felt like I was, I was looking good. Like I felt like, man, I'm so ripped. Like this is awesome. And then I saw the pictures and I was like, man, like I'm not even going to show this to my girlfriend. Like this is, this is absolutely awful. And then... Uh, when I was getting ready for the photo shoot and my uh, my girlfriend helped me to like shave my body and, you know, unhair myself and everything. And that was after like this huge dinner that I had at home with like a whole bunch of fibrous shit. And I was bloated like crazy. And just as, as a joke, my, my girlfriend took a couple of pictures of me in my underwear and stuff with the, with the bloated stomach. And I looked at those pictures and actually they looked pretty good, even though I was bloated as fuck. I looked like, I basically looked like a natural, a natural IABB pro with the huge growth hormone gut, you know? <laughs> like, like, but, but, but it looked pretty beefy. It actually looked pretty decent. So it is just really funny how, um, you feel internally is just way different to what you're seeing on the outside. But that's just a random comment. Mm, yeah. You know, this reminds me of, uh, I posted something on Facebook about, 
knowledge and stuff and uh, why I wouldn't take advice from like an enhanced coach or wouldn't hire one and someone you know replied that that well you you don't have to have done the thing to be able to coach it and see this is where I disagree like um especially with something like contest prep like I, w- I could never contest prep someone without having done it myself because I just have no like this guy was saying that you know well he could have read all the books and (laughs) you know it yourself like you can read all the books you want like I can read all the books I want about martial arts I'm not going to go out there and fight a professional fighter because I'm just going to get my 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 soul beaten out of me and like I could read all the videos or could watch all the videos or read all the books but in the grand scheme of things, you know, work has still has to be done, and and uh, there is some tremendous value in actually, you know, feeling it on yourself. Um, speaking speaking of knowledge, um, I have been saying this for a long time, especially to people who you you know come to me for help, like with personal training and stuff. Like they they, they think that they lack knowledge, or that's why they haven't had results. Like they don't know what to do, and in the end, everyone knows what to do. Like the people who like eat six pizzas a week or, you know, every night is a donut night or whatever. They know that it's probably not a good idea if they want to lose fat, but they still, still, um, still don't, don't, don't change anything. So you posted a picture from 2017 and you were saying that, you know, I, I already knew a ton of stuff. Like obviously you have been producing content for a good while now and you still weren't or you weren't looking, uh, where basically your physique wasn't reflective of the amount of knowledge you had. And I, I feel like I have, I am in the same spot as well right now. So I'm curious, like what changed since 2017? Like you obviously had the knowledge, uh, to pull something like this off, but why weren't you able? What do you think were the reasons that were maybe holding you back? Yeah, yeah. So that that picture, just to give, shed some more, more light on this for the listeners. So that picture was a, a picture of me from 2017, where I'm, I don't know, 20 plus percent body fat, probably um, kind of smiling on the picture. But I remember how unhappy I was with where I was in terms of my physique. And that kind of bled into other areas of my life. And that was at a time when I've been running my own podcast and YouTube channel for maybe like two years. I interviewed like Eric Helms and Mike Isretel and Lyle McDonald multiple times. I read their books multiple times. Like I was a walking encyclopedia and I was making the same slip ups and, and regressions in terms of my diet and I was spinning my wheels and oftentimes I would fall for behaviors which made me really upset, like falling off the wagon and, and binging and things like that. And what I wanted to communicate with that picture was that now, because in the last maybe two years or so, people always see me with abs, basically. Like even if I go up in body fat like I did with my dreamer bulk recently, even at the end of that, if you're looking at it with a very generous eye, you can see some blurry ab definition there. But then I bounce back really quickly to a much leaner physique. And people will sometimes comment under my YouTube videos and say things like, so, okay, Abel, very nice, the things that you're saying, but honestly, have you ever been fat? And then I, I just laugh because I can just pull this picture up or even pictures before that. It's like, yeah, 
Dude, absolutely. Like, I'm not a naturally kind of scrawny kid who doesn't even know how to get fat. Like, that's not me. Those people are out there, but those are not me. And really what it came down to in my case, and I think in anybody's case who is struggling with that and actually wants to make that shift, is just simply accepting certain lifestyle trade-offs. And I think that a lot of these uh, phrases and a, a lot of these kind of adages that people are repeating have been repeated so many times that they're almost becoming white noise, like lifestyle change. It's like, you want to be lean, you have to change your lifestyle. Everybody will just nod and it's like, yeah, 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 lifestyle change is very important. But what does that actually really mean? So in my case, for example, I had to accept that you know, no matter how much I'm reading about flexible dieting or whatever, putting your culprit foods into that cupboard or putting it on the top shelf or whatever, I could read the book Mindless Eating or whatever Lane Norton's flexible dieting book or anything like that a thousand times. I had to accept that if I had peanut butter in the house, at first it will start off with me just rationalizing eating more and more of that peanut butter. Like, ooh, my libido is a bit low. Like maybe I need more fats for optimal anabolic hormone production, you know? <laughs> so I would just eat more of the peanut butter. Yeah. Eventually, it may turn into a binge. And then when it turns into a binge, then I hate myself and that leads to even more binges. If I cook up a whole bunch of rice and calculate everything and say, okay, this should last for about a week and that's how I'm going to get my carbs, that pot of rice is probably going to be gone in three or four days. And then, you know, my weekly calories are fucked up already. And, you know, little things like this that I had to learn about myself and accepting that, you know what, like, it seems like these are my limitations. I can fight them as much as I want, or I can be a pragmatist and I can work with them. So I have not had a single spoonful, tea, spoonful, whatever. I haven't seen a jar of peanut butter in my house for over two years. And I did not have a binge on peanut butter. It's so simple. I don't keep rice in the house for the most part. I'm eating a lot of veggies. I'm eating a lot of fruits, low-calorie berries and things like that. And those are my dessert foods for the most part. And sure, they are not as tasty as maybe some nice like cereal or even oatmeal with some bananas in them and some nuts on top or something like that. Like I could construct a lot more delicious and more yummy meals, but I know how big my appetite is. I know how much I need to eat to feel satisfied. And I'm working with a lot of those things. And I think the big distinction between what I was doing earlier on and what I'm doing now is that beforehand, I was looking at a lot of these strategies as just temporary things that I would do during a cut when I needed to get into shape. And as soon as the cut was over, I was looking for, okay, how can I return to my old behaviors? Like, how can I reincorporate as much of, much of the stuff that I was doing before and ultimately got me fat and stay lean? And ultimately, I had to learn that that is the wrong question to ask. The question is, which of the strategies that got me lean can I maintain for life, learn to enjoy, and which of those are the ones that I just simply cannot sustain because those are just like ruining my life? Those ones do have to go. But as much as I can still maintain from the things that led to success, I need to keep in there. And that is ultimately that made the difference for me. I pretty much forced to learn to like vegetables, learn to like low-calorie fruits, and accepting that, you know, yes, berries with cocoa powder sprinkled on top and some low-calorie sweetener may be never as tasty as ice cream, but at the end of the day, it's 
something that I can habituate to, learn to enjoy for what it is, and that allows me to be happy with the way I look and the way I feel and the way I, I perform. And that ended up me being actually lean for extended periods for the first time in my life. Hey guys, I interrupt the episode to remind you that as much as I love making these episodes, they do not pay the bills coaching does for me. So if you'd be interested in working with me in a one-to-one fashion, I also offer online coaching for a limited number of clients interested in uh, body composition optimization. So if you'd like to lose fat, build muscle, or any combination of the two, then uh, don't hesitate to reach out to me via an email. My email address is always in the description of these episodes and we can chat further from there. I am also available for 30 or 60 minute consultations for people who are not quite ready to invest into a full-on coach just yet. Thank you and let's continue the episode. Um, I find myself nodding like a lot of times, especially when you were mentioning, you know, the... Oh God, the justifications, like, uh, I can't tell you how many times I did this. Like I would, especially since I'm single <clears throat> for the ladies out there. And, uh, you know, when I was living with my girlfriend, uh, former girlfriend, it was easier in a sense, cause she would have just probably slapped me if I wanted to order like pizza in on a Wednesday evening at 1am. Well, I guess that's already middle of the night or whatever, but <laughs> now that I'm alone, like there's no one stopping me instead of just, you know, just my own rational voice inside but you know it uh, just as I do because in those moments you don't really think rationally Um, because obviously if we were only rational animals then we would all know that listen what you're experiencing right now is just a temporary uh, craving or impulse or whatever it's not really going to be or sustainable or rather it's not going to be productive or helpful towards your longer term goals and tomorrow you're probably going to regret, regret it which I always do and uh, it's not a good idea. You should just, you know, go to sleep and whatever, and it will pass. But often I just, you know, I, I start justifying uh, this behavior. And I think that's where a lot of or too much knowledge comes into play because I can stay, say stuff like, no, yeah, it's going to be 3,000 calories, but tomorrow I can eat nothing or tomorrow I will eat just 1,000 and then the next day I will eat 2,000 and the 3,000 calories will balance them, uh, itself out, you know? And uh, more often than not, it just doesn't. I end up eating slightly less usually or less, but still I don't really eke out that uh, net deficit. So... I still end up like a thousand calories over my weekly uh, calorie goal, and that's basically what has been uh, my uh, what has been my, my my past six months, maybe summed up. Like um, usually, it's uh, like you mentioned, you know, enjoying low calorie stuff. Like I I love fruits. I love you know it well. Like I love low fat dairy. Like I absolutely love making myself these huge bowls of cottage cheese and frozen berries with some sweetener. I love it. But at the same time, I also love those other foods. And uh, if I have these, uh, if, you know, even if my 90%, because, you know, people say stuff like, you you know, 90% should be good and the rest of the 10% should be whatever or can be whatever and you can still be lean. And that depends on what you mean by the rest of the 10%. Because if your perception is, okay, I just eat one donut and that's the 10%, that's a couple hundred calories, but my 10% can be I'll eat three pizzas because I have the appetite for it 
and that's uh, 7,000 calories, or if they are large, like more like 10,000, then that 10% can really fuck up, even though the rest of the 90% is still good. And, uh, you know, I had this same conversation with this colleague of mine who I've shown you yesterday, that picture of he won the IMBA uh, European Championships a couple of weeks ago. He got his natural pro card in the IMBA. And he said basically the same thing, like, listen, I, I don't eat these foods. I, uh, he has some, like, you know, like he says stuff like, I don't eat sugar, but then he eats honey. So, you know, it's whatever. You get the point. Like, he has these rules or, um, but he said the same thing, like, listen, I don't eat those foods and it is what it is. It doesn't really, like, he, it does, he doesn't just, or doesn't experience it as a sacrifice. It just, it just is. It's just the way he lives his life and he's always lean. Um, and I think that's a really powerful message for people out there because we got so, I guess, like you said, you, we got so desensitized with this whole, you know, yeah, 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 life, life, lifestyle change message. But then sort of this IFYM or flexible dieting stuff came into play that, you know, um, you can still eat whatever you want or eat all your favorite foods and you can be successful. And I guess, I guess it really depends on what successful means because obviously we are not I guess it's not really the same thing like we are not talking about being at an average body fat level we're not talking about being 18 to 20 percent as a male we're talking about being more like 8 to 10 percent or 12 percent which is a different kind of uh ball game altogether so yeah if you have anything to add that true I know it was a lot of uh, thoughts that just were going into my mind yeah yeah like a, a couple of things so you know i think that whenever you're going through a dieting phase it's it's always a good thing to do to kind of ask yourself at each step of the journey like which of these behaviors are those that i would be comfortable maintaining for the rest of my life and if you're doing things right then for a large portion of the journey for a lot of those, the answer should be, yeah, I, I, I could maintain a lot of these. Like, I remember still two years ago or so, I did a cutting phase, which is kind of like I had this big eureka moment. That's when I discovered mindful eating, for example, when I simply just stopped being distracted. Then I was just like sitting there with my plate at the kitchen table, enjoying my food, not scrolling through YouTube and Instagram and whatever, just experiencing food. I realized how powerful that was. And I realized how freaking easy it is comparatively, of course, to control calorie intake and just how much less I need to eat to feel really, really good. And I was dropping fat at a really fast pace and I was getting down to a pretty aesthetic level of body fat. Like now I know that probably it was not 9% body fat like I thought earlier because now my reference point changed <laughs> a little bit at the end of this diet. But it looked good. You know, I had abs and I was lean enough by pretty much all measures. And at the end of that, I felt super, super empowered because for the first time, perhaps ever, I felt like, man, I found a strategy that I can do this for the rest of my life. And especially if we factor in that now the diet is over and I can add back some more fats, like some more eggs and more salmon and whatever. And like I can have a nutritionally complete plan and I don't need to even pay attention to under eating slightly at all, I can just eat in a small surplus or at maintenance, I can eat all these wholesome satiating foods. And these meals are amazing now that I'm eating mindfully, like my leanness issues are sorted for the rest of my life. That's how I felt. And to a point, even during this diet, when I've gotten leaner than ever, 
I felt like that as well. There came a point where I was like, okay, like these these things are just not sustainable at all. Like this is something that I'm willing to do until I'm getting shredded or ripped or depending on how strict you want to be with the definitions. But I, I just I just cannot do this. Like at, at some point I needed to start tracking because I was just not dropping fat anymore without that. Then the tracking became a bit more neurotic than what was reasonable, perhaps. And that's just kind of a naturally natural consequence of the dieting psychology, I think. And I was starting to kind of live meal to meal. Um, I started to feel lethargic. I, regular hunger during the days became just a regular occurrence, something I needed to accept. I was waking up in the middle of the night, hungry, thinking about food, having to like meditate and listen to some random podcast about football or something to fall back asleep. And that was every night, like sleep deprived, hungry, lethargic, irritable. That, that, that was my normal way of being. And I needed to count my veggies strictly because literally I could have just eaten like raw mushrooms and cucumbers without any salt on it. And I would have eaten myself out of a deficit at some point. So that, that was my, my day-to-day life. That is not sustainable. Like that is not something that I could sustain. Even after that, you know, when I was out of the deficit, it was really incredible that I was still, you know, same leanness, maybe seven, eight percent body fat. And it was incredible how much better I felt instantly. Like I slept better immediately. My energy levels were way better immediately. I didn't have that heavy leg feeling like before I felt like my legs were just made of freaking lead or aluminum or something like that. Like walking was such a chore. That got better. But still, um, I was still living meal to meal. It was not, not comfortable. What speaks to that uh, actually is I was done with my diet in mid-October or so, and then I was in a maintenance phase, like I was paying attention to maintaining my weight because I was waiting for my photo shoot to come, come around. It was scheduled, and it was all good, but the worst day from those two weeks of maintenance was the day before the photo shoot when I did my carb up, and I was eating like in a calorie surplus, I was eating like 3,500 calories on, on that day. But because all my foods were so low volume, you know, I didn't have any of the fibrous stuff. I just had like cereals and rice cakes and shit like that. And my hunger was through the roof. Like it was awful. Like literally at 8 p.m., I was counting the minutes until I can finally go to bed and wait for the next day to come because I hated it. That is really weird, right? Like you're eating in a calorie surplus, you're eating a ton of carbs, and that's the worst day of the entire process. Like that, that's really weird. But that's how that low body fat percentage affected me. So it was really helpful in terms of resetting my reference point in terms of what are habits that are easily maintainable and what are those that are just like ridiculous they overly rigid they just have to go and i think it's maybe one benefit of going through strict fat loss phases every once in a while because you kind of get to reset that baseline for yourself because when you are kind of purposeless you're kind of just like hovering around not really having a clear goal like in your case now like you're kind of at maintenance sometimes jumping into a fat loss phase then stopping it after a couple of days then back into gaining like you're not really sure what to do then it's really hard like okay like pizza is good like these cookies are good like why not have them every once in a while okay i'll make up for it the next day oh okay i didn't um but when you're actually like, okay, you know what? I'll do this photo shoot. Maybe I'm going to hire a coach who's going to keep me accountable. I'm going to be kicking ass for the next 12 weeks. 
then you're doing that and then you're kind of gaining a new perspective on all of these things and then you're resetting that entire baseline for yourself and then you can work back for backwards from there so yeah those are some additional thoughts that i would have on that Mm, yeah uh, again with this friend of mine we were discussing carving up and you know again one thing you can read from books but if you haven't been through it you have no perspective like you know i was just telling him why don't you carve up with like you know these low like you said low fiber uh, low volume high gi carbs because you know those are the best to refill muscle glycogen and you won't be bloated because you won't have any fiber and he was like andras listen to me if I had those foods, like if I had cereal and whatever you said, I would, uh, I would, I would, I would cry, crawl up on the walls. Like I would be so hungry, my insulin levels would like go through the roof, and then they would just crash, and uh, I would basically have to eat like ten thousand calories of those. And that's why he carves up with like oatmeal and some sweet potatoes but not too much mostly oatmeal (laughs) he was telling me that uh in the evening he also does some water stuff which i don't really uh, agree with but anyway he was saying that he was eating like plain oats but that that's not plain oats with with like water no just you know you get the oats and you just start eating it like a horse Oh my god. Yeah, no no kidding, like for real. And he was telling me that he was with some fellow bodybuilders and he was they were like, So what do you carve up with? He was like, Oats, okay, great. So how do you prepare it? I eat them. No, but seriously, how do you prepare them with water? No, I eat them. What do you mean? Like I eat them from the package. Like no water, no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And and they were like, What the fuck, man? <laughs> I mean, dude, the um, so when my photo shoot was over, uh, first of all I hit the gym because um that day I, I woke up at like 4.30 or something in the morning. I, I just couldn't sleep. And um, yeah, like I, I just wanted to get the, the workout out of the way until I get too tired to do it. And then I went home to my hotel room. And so I didn't have any kind of refeeds or cheat meals or post photo shoot binges or anything like that. But man, I went to the grocery store and I was so freaking happy that I can buy all the freaking tomatoes and cucumbers and frozen strawberries and all that shit after that awful carb update the day before. And I went home, I put all of that out on the table, and I was eating the ham. I don't think I even salted it, just ham, cucumbers. I didn't. I forgot to buy a knife, and I was in a hotel room, so I used my key to the hotel room to cut up the cucumbers, and I was eating that and I was in a state of like in a trance like it was like a religious experience like it honestly I don't think I ever had a cheat meal or anything like that in a very very long time that felt as good as just loading up on an awful crap ton of fiber after that photo shoot so yeah I I can sympathize with your friend (laughs) Yeah, yeah exactly like and that's you know it's so hard like um, now, obviously, I, I work with a different set of population, but, um, you know, when I start telling my clients that, listen, eat cottage cheese, and they are like, but that doesn't taste good. But what they mean by that is they doesn't taste as good as ice cream. And they're like, yeah, exactly. But that's the point. Like, you have been eating ice cream up until this point. You're not happy. Like, we have to change something, you know? And, uh, again, this friend of mine was telling me that, uh, you know, and like you said yourself, it's very nice to go through that because you get a new set of appreciation for, you know, regular foods like you don't really appreciate because once you're done with the fatness phase, like even rice tastes good, uh, usually it tastes good, but 
after you have haven't had it in like maybe 68 weeks man does that taste good you know the only thing i can because i haven't been that deep the only thing i can relate to is when i had i was an idiot and i i had a it wasn't broken but it was a i had a whatever fracture small fracture on my jaw and i was basically you know with wires and stuff so i was on liquid diet <laughs> for like for like i don't know i think it was two to three weeks and man the first bite of food i ate that oh my goodness i can still remember it that felt so good like you really start to appreciate you know just chewing food and stuff when you haven't done it in like a couple of weeks so yeah <laughs> I actually, I actually think that hunger can flat out make dieting easier um, within a, within a decent range. So I think there are two really hard parts of a fat loss phase. One is where one is the beginning, because in the beginning you're basically it's not your body that you're fighting against. It's simply your brain and your habits and your cravings. It's like you just need to. You're so used to maybe waking up in the morning and preparing this nice big whatever, bacon and eggs, and then some like porridge with this and that. And then in the evening, maybe you have that some frozen ice cream or frozen yogurt or something like that. And then, you know, you need to drop your calories and then you need to switch that up to something that is like not as yummy, not as nice. And then it's like you have no issues with hunger. It's just your habits or in the back of your mind kind of screaming at you like, hey, like this new thing that you're doing sucks. Mm. Like this is boring. Stop doing this. Let's go back to doing something fun. It's just your dopamine receptors are complaining, basically. That is really hard. Like that's getting started with a fat loss phase is really, really tough. Like even for even for me, like I'm some super big pro, but you know, (laughs) I've been pretty successful with my last couple of cutting phases. And the beginning is always the toughest uh, or one of the toughest. Then there is comes a point where you're starting to get a bit hungry. And that's when, like, if you do an interview with Lyle McDonald, that's when he will tell you, like, fat loss gets harder over time. That's what people fail at dieting because unlike drug addiction or alcohol quitting, dieting gets progressively harder. But actually, I find that when you're getting to the point where your body is starting to fight back against you a little bit, actually, you're starting to appreciate eating nice, big mouthfuls of low-calorie, nutritious foods. And you're not really caring about your cravings anymore that much. It's like, man, I get to sit down and eat a nice, big salad with some lean protein, and then I get to have some strawberries and some low-fat Greek yogurt. Like, this is awesome. And you're actually developing potentially some good eating habits. You're eating mindfully. So your meals are really satisfying at that point. And that's kind of the sweet spot. Like that's where really good results often come. And for many people, they actually don't need to go past that point. Like you can get when you're in that zone, that might be enough to get down to, I don't know, like 12% body fat, like something that looks really good on a guy, for example. Now, when you're going past that point significantly, like I did now, It comes a point where, okay, like, trust me, bro, like, I'm appreciating these low-calorie, low-palatability foods as much as anyone, and I just want to eat more and more and more of them, and I can't because I'm out of the calories, and and, and that's when, like, legitimately every day is a battle with your own body and physiology, so that's, that's the other end of the spectrum where it's like you don't give a shit about cravings at all at that point. It's like... Some, some Someone mentions pizza or peanut butter to me or, or something like that at that point. It doesn't even register in my brain as an option. It's just like, man, 
those are just words that you're spitting out that are associated with me not getting to my goal. Like, stop even thinking about it. Like, you want to invite me out for lunch? My thought is not, ooh, like, it's a nice, maybe I can get a break from the diet. Like, I can eat something tasty. It will be okay. Like, I will make up for it the next day. It's like, oh my God, lunch? Are you trying to get in, in the way of me getting to my goal? Like, you're a threat. Get away from me. I'm blocking your Facebook. Like, that's that's my thought process. But the hunger and the lethargy and the inability to sleep, like, that's the thing that you're actually battling with at that point. So it's it's really weird that there is, like, this hunger and craving sweet spot in the middle of any kind of diet where you're just hungry enough that the cravings are not really an issue anymore. And you're in that nice zone when you're actually learning to appreciate eating the not junky, overly high calorie stuff. Mm. I actually wanted to ask you, like, what were some strategies? How do you mitigate like these impulses or cravings? I don't know, maybe it's just me. I get these random. Obviously, that's a habit, like that's a habitual thing. Because if you never ordered, like, like through Food Panda or something, if you never ordered food at 12 a.m., then you have no you know, nothing to compare to, like, I, for for example, I haven't, I have never, I never drink, so, um, an alcoholic probably has the same stuff with alcohol, like, I never get a, a, a impulse to start having some whiskey <laughs> at one in the morning, because I n- never do that, but I get this with food, so obviously that's a, a, a habitual thing that I have sort of introduced into my brain, um, so I wanted to ask, you know, how do you ever get that and how do you manage it? You sort of answered that question with the whole thought process you have. Um, do you think that simply going past through that first stage, like you mentioned, where you are still sort of the old habits are trying, you know, there's that quote from, from a movie that just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. Uh-huh. Do you know that, that quote? Um, do you think it's the same like with these habits and you just have to suck it up and uh, get past through that initial phase and it, these impulses get cravings get better, not worse. Yeah. Um, so I think it's mainly a matter of getting into into a, a momentum with your diet. So I see this with people that um, I'm also I'm not coaching competitors and super elite people. Usually, I'm I'm working with people that just want to get leaner and you know overweight, maybe twenty percent body fat, twenty five, maybe thirty percent body fat. Want to get down to a point where they see their abs, something like that, and. Initially, it's often very tough. And how for how long is it going to be tough? That varies from person to person. For me, it's like usually the first week, maybe the first two weeks. That's where I'm prone to kind of just rationalizing myself into like abandoning the plan. It's like I'm doing one week, then maybe like I'm going out for lunch with someone. And then it's like, man, I don't want to order like chicken steak in this restaurant and salad like give me some freaking fries and a burger and then I go home and then man I wasn't that fat anyway whatever I'll just keep gaining or something and then I abandon the diet like that that tends to happen with me as well and once I've been doing it for two weeks if I stuck to something for two weeks and then I can see okay I dropped like a percentage of my body weight already it's like man like I put in this much effort already like might as well keep going it's kind of they call this the foot in the door strategy like you know what like let's not even think about like 8 week long diets 12 week long diets let's just try to get a couple of good days out of the way and once you gain a bit of momentum eventually you get to that point where you know what like I poured in this much effort already look how far I've gotten like I'm not going to fuck it up now like I I think even like I know that this varies from person to person 
like for some people, it's just very hard to stay consistent. But even the most, even the person that is the most prone to being inconsistent with a diet and falling off, even that person will have that point where they realize like, man, like I've been crushing it for that long. Like I'm not going to let this go now. So that point inevitably comes. Now, mindfulness not just so the first first is just being mindful during meals so i've uh, fallen off the wagon you know 4 to 6 weeks into diets before and that was always kind of in the odd moment where i just kind of lost control during one meal it's like i was planning to have this small meal for example before my workout and then an hour later i was still at the kitchen table just mm-hmm. like putting more and more stuff on the table and then, oh, fuck, I fucked it up. Okay, where is the nearby grocery store? I'll go over there and buy a jar of peanut butter. Like stuff stuff like that happened before. And that was uh, before I discovered this mindful eating approach. Like I was just distracted. I was having a bit too much fun during the meal because I was eating and I was like jumping from video to video. And like, oh, there is this new podcast that Greg Knuckles put out. Let's listen to this. Oh, mm. Listening to it. Oh, cool. Like I'm enjoying this process of listening to how Greg is talking about squats let's pop open another can of this whatever thing I was eating. And then I kind of ruined the meal. Then I kind of ruined the day, ruined the week. And then I fell off the wagon. Once I started eating mindfully, it pretty much never happened in that way, at least. Uh, I still overate sometimes. Like, you know, I just went over a little bit. But I have this joke that I like to say that, like, I don't think anybody could pull off a 10,000 calorie challenge while eating mindfully. Like, it's just so incongruent, those two things. It's very hard to do the two at the same time. Now, the funny thing is, is that during the diet near the end, um, sometimes in the evenings, I would get like very anxious and I would have these thoughts of like, man, what if now, like, there's like two weeks at the end until the end of my diet. Like, what if now I lose my shit tomorrow, let's say, and I start binging? And I literally had these fearful thoughts. And during those times, literally just like journaling a little bit, like I, I got into a journaling habit, like I have a document on Google Docs called Journal or Noplu. <laughs> uh, and I, I just open that every or not every evening, but a couple of times a week at least. And I just start like I type down the date and I'm just writing down the thoughts and kind of fears that I have in the moment that I'm doing that in the evenings. And sometimes I literally had to have these like mini dialogues with myself, like, look, like you crushed it up until now, like you've been doing really well, like why would you fall off the wagon? And kind of just like doing more and more things to kind of stay present, I think that helps a lot as well. But those are kind of just some side woo-woo things. The biggest thing is I think just gaining momentum with the whole thing, just like getting through that sticking point in the beginning of the diet when you're overcoming inertia and you're gaining a bit of self-trust in yourself. Because like when you've been repeating something for like over and over again, you know, like if 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 any time you started started a diet in the last year, you know, one week into that, you've at least had one day of the week when you ordered in pizza, then it's almost almost like this Pavlovian conditioning. Like, why would you expect to not order pizza the next time you're dieting? So I think it's kind of like you have to recondition yourself, and that's and that's exactly the place where I was at when that picture was taken that I posted on Instagram. Like, I look at that face, like I'm look at looking at my smiley face there. And I, I I can recall my feelings and thoughts exactly at that time. Like the worst thing was not that I was looking the way I was looking because that's, you know, I was close to that body composition now at the end of my dreamer bulk, but I was happy in that place because it was like, I did this on purpose. Like I wanted to bulk up. I did that. It didn't cause me any stress. Back in 2017, it was not the problem that I was at that body fat percentage. The problem was that I didn't trust myself anymore. You know, like it was like, man, like, I cannot commit to anything. Like I'm I'm 
deciding that I'm going to start a cutting phase and three days later I'm binging. Like, man, I cooked up an entire kilogram pack of rice again and I ate the whole thing tonight. Like, what the fuck? And, and like, this, it just keep, kept repeating itself and I didn't trust my own self. And it was, it was terrifying. It was terrible. So it, it took a while to kind of get rid of that conditioning and recalibrate my own way of thinking into believing that, okay, me, Abel, I'm not a guy who is falling off the wagon constantly. I am someone who, when I decide that I'm going to lose fat, I'm going to lose fat. Like that was kind of a rewiring process and it took some time, but it can be done. It just takes some doing sometimes. So, mm. yeah, I can, yeah, I can, uh, I can, I, I feel you basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would, I would need to have, do some contemplation and, and work these things out. Cause obviously, again, it's not a lack of knowledge that's, that's the issue. Um, I've read enough books and stuff, so um, I just need to do the do work. So, just a couple of final questions to end this. Like, I'm curious, like, how did strength levels hold up during the cut? Like, how much did you lose? And was it uh, the way usually people tell? Like, many people say that you know, past or until the ten percent body fat level or so, it's okay, and then past that, it just dives. <laughs> takes a nose dive basically yeah so uh, in my case it was pretty much like that um it like to a point basically everything went as it as i thought it would when i was like at 85 kilos or so like my my body weight and my estimated leanness was correlating pretty well according to expectations so yes like whatever uh, when i was at like nine percent body fat or so or so at least i estimated at the time um, I was at the body weight that I thought I would be, etc. And that, yeah, also to the, my strength levels. So to a, to a decent point, it held up really well. Like on some lifts, it even increased for a while. And then there came a point where it's just like, okay, this lift, it's okay, this I'm kind of plateaued at the same reps, same weight for a while. Okay, it has gone down a bit now, but relative strength, okay, that's still decent. And in like the last maybe four to six weeks is when it just like everything went to shit. <laughs> but, and, and also like the thing is, again, first shred, right? Like it's always the biggest learning experience is there. So I'm, I'm sure that if I did this again, like let's say the next year, which I don't plan on doing because <laughs> I'm not interested in dieting for a long time now. But um, if I did this again, I'm sure that a lot of these things would be a lot better. But, you know, when I did the depletion week, for example, like... Yes, everything went to absolute dog shit, like complete dog shit. So things like that were kind of just like one-off weird things. But yeah, at the end of it, and that's why I'm saying pretty confidently that most probably I did lose a decent amount of muscle because some lifts dropped like staggering amounts. Like, I don't know, if let's say my eight rep max on some whatever random lift was 110 kilos or let's say 105 kilos, I think, when I was 85 kilos then at 76 it would have been like 80 you know so it's not that's still decent is it really though i mean that's in relative strength even that's a really big drop so mm. yeah at, at the end of it a lot of things have dropped but also i should note that i was very I, I became increasingly conservative as in the last couple of weeks so um this is another funny thing which might be fun for the listeners to hear is um i shaved my body um about like a month before the end of the diet. And that was cool, A, because I actually realized that, man, I actually have abs without flexing. 
Like I never ever saw my abs before. And I think I said it on my podcast at least like three times before on two different guests that man, I am so genetically cursed. Like I don't have abs if I don't flex, even when I'm very lean. And now I realize like, well, I don't have abs because it's fucking covered with body hair. <laughs> so that was a cool thing to experience. But actually, when I, I got rid of the body hair, that's when I just noticed how fucking lean I was, you know, because I saw all these veins just like coursing through my abs and the striations on my chest and even my quads were just like covered with veins. And that's when I realized like, man, this is a vulnerable piece of body at this point. Like I need to be more careful of this because up until that point, I was kind of reckless sometimes with my training. Like I was pushing the volume, pushing the weights like crazy. And, you know, I was like not that concerned. It's like, man, it's like I, I don't look that lean. I can just keep pushing and all of a sudden I saw just how freaking lean I was. And I was like, man, I, I need to be more careful. Like this thing can mm -hmm. break in an instant. So maybe that played into it as well. Yeah, it probably wasn't too helpful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, like I'm curious, I, I must ask, because obviously that's uh, something that many people think. Uh, how has life changed? Like do women, women constantly try to rape you? Like do they just assault you on the street and want to uh, make, you know, make them pregnant and have your babies and stuff? So funny enough, the answer to that is yes, to some extent. <laughs> like I, I definitely see like in, in the gym, I'm getting a lot of looks. I, I'm noticing that. Um, and I think a lot of that is, um, like my face looks better. Like it just has this more like angular kind of nicer facial shape to it. Like especially when I'm well trimmed, my head just looks more attractive. Um, even like I'm, I'm like Nicolas uh, Cage. I think the name of the actor. Like I just cannot have a good haircut, but <laughs> even that looks better with the leaner face. And also, I think my body type just kind of looks better when I'm leaner because I'm kind of stockily built, and when I'm leaner, I just look kind of lankier and taller. So I, I definitely note, noticed that people seem to perceive me as more attractive. Um, the flip side of that, though, is that like when I'm getting these looks from the women, I'm like, well, if you only knew that you cannot use me for anything because I have no interest in sex whatsoever. <laughs> I, I have interest in getting home and eating my salad finally. So <laughs> that's kind of the flip side of it. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, um, interesting. I I remember back in 2016 as a um I, I I did get some more positive attention, but women are also stupid. Like I also <laughs> got told by by some that I looked unhealthy, and what the hell is wrong with me? I need to eat something. So so yeah, you can never please everyone. Um yeah, and 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 just like if you have a girlfriend or a lover even or something, she will be way more happy with you if you're actually able to perform and get it up than if you're super, yeah. super shredded. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah, like uh, if you're doing this for women, then that's a bad idea already because yeah. um, I, I guess you can you can confirm this or not, but I, I would imagine that doing it for someone else would not get you through those hard days. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. Okay, so one final topic which I wanted to... I sort of you know mentioned to you before we went on air is that... What a fucked up perception we have of what's a good physique like you and I and especially people who are in this bodybuilding circle. Like uh, I was mentioning this to Haber that I showed uh, his picture to a couple of bodies at the gym and they were all like, wow, what a, what a great physique. He looks awesome. And uh, to us, it's like, eh, it's okay, but look at so-and-so. Look at these top natural pros. Look how much bigger they are. Look how much more conditioned they are. Like, who? Uh, I want to get to that level. I'm not really... So we, we essentially, we downplay our own achievements 
And I'm curious, like, did you have these fears or were you more like objective with yourself and uh, the results you achieved? So honestly, I was this time around, I was very, very satisfied with what I achieved. Like, um, I, I don't even want to say it otherwise, because I, I looked at some of my pictures, like some of them, I have like 500 pictures from this photo shoot. And, you know, the angles and the lighting and all of those things can make a really big difference. Um, so on, on some of them, just like a split second difference can make you look like very scrawny and kind of shriveled up. And from another angle, you look pretty big and full. So, um, of course, it still varies. But but honestly, like, I when I, I trimmed myself and I got a little bit of a tan and I filled up with carbs and I looked in the mirror and I... I so like, man, like this is the look I've always wanted for myself. Like, um, this is this is awesome, honestly. Because uh, be- beforehand, I was always kind of like looking at myself with a little bit of resentment. Because I, it's like, man, I'm putting in so much effort and I still don't have the chest. Like, I don't have the line in between the pecs. You know, uh, I don't have the abs without the flexing and everything. Like, it's just why does this look so average? Like, are my genetics that bad? And then it was like, oh, okay, so I get the body hair off, I get some good lighting, I get some carbs in me, okay, I'm still not going to be like Mad Dust Fitness, or I'm not going to be like this and that guy, but man, like this this looks much more so to what I would want. Um, that said, of course, like I'm looking at Mad Dust Fitness, and it's like, man, if someone told me that I need to cut off my two pinky fingers and like those <laughs> two fingers, like my two little fingers from my foot... In an instant, I would do it. Like, man, I would love to look like that. Um, but it's yeah, we are pretty fucked up on that regard. And it's also funny that uh, I've been I've been chatting about this with someone that uh, with my mom actually. <laughs> uh, we had a Skype chat the other day, and I told her because I showed her my photos, and I told her that it's really funny how your re- perspective changes and your reference point. Because I remember being I think eleven years old when I was sitting in the movie theater. And we were watching Troy and that famous scene when Brad Pitt takes off his, well, not shirt, his armor, because <laughs> he was Achilles and he shows off the body. And I was 11. And I re- that specific moment when I thought, okay, like I am going to look like that one day. Like, I don't know how, but I'm going to have abs and I'm going to be jacked. Like that, that was the moment when I decided that like, that's how I want to look. And that was kind of like my, my gold standard, like ultimate dream for a long time. And now, like, I just pulled up, as I was talking with my mom about this, I pulled up a couple of pictures from Troy, and it's like, man, like, I am bigger and I'm leaner than Brad Pitt <laughs> in, on those photos. Like, it's, uh, I did it. Like, man, I accomplished it. And another- you, have been, you have been for a long time, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, maybe not leaner. I don't know, like, it kind of depends on which angle you're looking at it, looking at it. But uh Another example like that is uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme from Kickboxer. Like, I, I remember watching that as a kid, and I was thinking, like, man, like, that guy is enormous and huge and just defined to the absolute max. And now I'm looking at it, it's like, man, like, I'm, I'm, I'm bigger than him and, and leaner. Like, he, he looks like he's a bit bigger than Brad Pitt. But anyway, it's, yeah, it's, there is even a phrase for this, like, range frequency theory. Like, your where you are in the moment and what you've been exposed to kind of changes your reference point. But it also applies to leanness. Like, um, you know, I, I remember, I mean, you can look at my Instagram and the pictures that I posted in April or May. It's like, guys, I finished my mini cut and it was not easy, but I didn't expect <laughs> it to be easy and I did it. And now now I'm looking at those photos like, man, 
are you not ashamed of yourself like that's 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 fat which is of course also ridiculous like it's man i have a legit like four to six pack there it's just now i have like a six and a half pack now so of course my reference point changed so it's just how it goes and we are fucked up but that's just the human condition i guess yeah so i'm looking at the pictures like in the one i sent you he he looks eh whatever like ab definition here he looks here he looks the biggest from this specific angle but i'll also pull up a picture um yeah there is one where he sort of has abs but anyway it's not really anything impressive. Now, of course, movies have come a long way, and now the gold standard is something like uh, Chris Hemsworth or, <laughs> you know, these other guys who are yeah <clears throat> on all sorts of special supplements to pull off these transformations. Okay, so I think we have covered a lot of ground today, and it's it for me at least it has been a very very valuable conversation. I'm sure others will have a lot of value to extract from this. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Any final thoughts? Um, feel free to mention any resources you would like to guide people towards to anything like that. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's just good to conclude uh, with the thoughts uh, that at the end of the day it will come down to a lifestyle change, like uh, pulling off a dieting phase. That's always going to be one part of the battle, but. Each, te- each step of your diet or whatever transformation journey you're going through now, just ask yourself, like, is this something that I could keep up for the rest of your life? And if the answer to that is no, then ask yourself if that is something that is appropriate given where you are. Because if you're trying to get to something unsustainable like I did now, like if you want to get down to like an unsustainably low body fat percentage, then it's okay if you cannot sustain that for life. But if you want to get to a physique which you would want to maintain, but the strategies that you're using are something that you're not intending to maintain, then just know that it will be very unlikely that you will succeed at, at staying there. So just think about those questions a lot more than what specific macro combination or whatever you should be picking to get your desired body fat percentage in the next eight weeks or something like that. So those would be my closing thoughts. And then... Yeah, resources. Yeah, my YouTube channel. If you type in SSD Able, so SSD A B E L, then uh, you find me there. Or SSD Podcast will uh, get those results too. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much the best way where you can find me. And I will do more videos where I'm explaining how I dieted, how I trained, and what I exactly did to get to the condition that we are talking about here and some good stuff like that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure to talk to you as always. Yeah, thank you. It's always a pleasure. All right. So that was episode 40 of the Muscle Engineer podcast with Albert Chabai. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you took just as much from it as I did. Because like I said, this has been probably one of my personal favorites I have done so far, simply because the information is not only valuable, but it also hits home for me and rings true for myself and I can uh, sort of step into Albert's shoes if you wish I can completely understand his perspective and also I sort of it reinforces what I already knew (laughs) but I didn't implement and what I will have to implement if I do want to accomplish something similar to what Albert has pulled off these last couple of months. So for this one, given its practical nature, I don't want to do a very thorough, you know, topic with because I think truly this episode, if you're interested in the topic, you just 
have to listen to it and if you can't be bothered to listen then it's it's your loss it is what it is but i do want to leave you with two important points first of which is uh, what i highlighted in the beginning knowledge isn't the answer or lack of knowledge isn't the reason why you are not succeeding in your fat loss goals specifically what we're talking about here because obviously we are not talking about getting average people lean we are talking about getting very lean like we're talking 10 percent or leaner so in that situation more knowledge isn't the answer so what is well i think some sort of a personal accountability is the biggest uh, thing you can do now obviously ideally that would be in a form of a coach and obviously again plugging our own <laughs> services here but this is how we make our living like both Abel and I uh, coach people for a living so I would recommend to reach out to a knowledgeable coach if you really want to take this seriously if you have been spinning your wheels for a while and uh, you know you haven't really succeeded on your own maybe now is the time to ask for someone's help and uh, I would definitely recommend Abel of course I'm very confident in my own skills but there are a lot of uh, competent coaches out there so I would just you know pick someone who who knows what they're talking about who has produced some results but also seems to connect with you on a personal level and can also understand what you're going through so that would be my first and biggest point I guess and the second biggest point is a bit of a um, grander more of a overview and this has been something that Abel has touched on as well and that is that if you want to not only get to a lean physique a very lean physique but also want to maintain at least most of it's let's say you got to eight percent and you want to maintain let's say a ten percent body fat year round you will have to accept that there are certain things, there are certain habits that you have been doing when you were at 17% that you simply will not be able to do and get away with once you're at 10%. Like by definition, the habits that got you to 17% or kept you at 17% body fat will not be able to be sustained if you want to stay at 10%. So this might seem obvious enough, but it seems to be something that's missed by many people. So like we discussed in the episode, you will have to make some sacrifices. You can't eat pizza every single night. And by that, I mean an entire one, not just, you know, half a slice or whatever. Like you can't eat unlimited amounts of junk food or you can't snack all day or you can't um, basically want to get anything you want whenever you want, but also dream of having a beach body or, you know, having a superhero-like physique or looking similar to what your favorite fitness model looks like it's just not feasible so you'll have to decide for yourself what your priorities are where your intentions lie basically and listen there's no shame in admitting that this is something that's not worked for you but you have to be honest with yourself and act accordingly so that was episode 40 i hope you enjoyed the episode i hope you find these recaps valuable i've been as always Sotak andre and until next week take care